So one of the things that I think we had some questions on was like the difference between search and browse and like, how do you decide which one you want to go for? And as a third question, I think you mentioned you've bought channels before that were monetized in search, but not browse. And it sounds like buying channels is, a, is not a good idea, but is there sometimes it's okay to do it? Like, so I guess <laughs> I know I asked a bunch of questions, but yeah. Okay. Let me, let me, let me, let me start from the, the last one. And then if I forget the first ones you guide me through, cool. but basically the, the whole, we call it like botting channels. Okay. It, it's, it's the idea that you, you know, you basically speed run your way or you, you know, you buy your way to the monetization of the channel. Now, when it comes to browse, we don't recommend botting your channel because when you start a browse channel, every little signal counts in terms of who interacts with your channel because that gives YouTube an idea of who is potentially interested, right? It's like a whole history from the very first video you upload to the video you're uploading now, right? All of these little signals, everything matters. So if you, you know, have a bunch of random people from all over the world or whatever, just, you know, watching your video, that your the algorithm is not going to understand like where are these people coming from why are they watching and so it's going to have a really hard time finding the right audience for your videos now when it comes to search it's a bit different because with search you know it doesn't matter on a on a on a, like a channel level right because what matters is the individual video level basically it's, it doesn't matter like all these signals because in search, what matters is like each individual video, the goal is just to get it ranked. That's it. You can have a channel talking about, I don't know, book reviews, and then you can publish a video, uh, like a search video about how to build a car, right? And if it's like a really good video, it will rank even on that mm -hmm. channel. Like on my main channel, I had a bunch of videos that, that ranked in search. Like one of them is like, um, what was it? How to start a fire with wet wood. And and, and 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 keep in mind, I was I was talking about like drop shipping for like one and a half two years, and then I just made that video because I was starting these fires at my parents' place every single day, and that video ranked, and it's making me money. So like <laughs> that's that's the interesting part about it, right? But for browse, I don't recommend because for browse, you want to keep it a clean channel, you want to go through it, and you want to double down. Just the data is going to be much more clean. Basically, that's what I'm saying. Okay. Um, the second question was, please remind me. Um, let me go back one. It was it was it was search okay. versus browse. Yeah, search. How do you choose which one? And it oh, yeah. sounds like browse is more of like if you're going to have a theme, which I'm assuming is that almost always the case. Like I'm going to make a channel about some history, American Revolution, and I'm going to have all these stories about like that would be browse. Um. Yes, that would be browse. Okay. So basically, it's just how you title your video. Like if you title your video, you know. Browse, like just think about browse as like what could be recommended to people, right? Like a search video doesn't won't necessarily be recommended to people. That search is just something that people are looking to solve their problem for. Like I think one of the most searched term is like how to tie a tie. You know what I mean? Mm. Like uh, like those okay. those type of videos. So there's like it's it's a whole yeah, two two different genres. Now, which one do you go for? Right? That was the, that was the question. So what I say is that. Search is easier to start for beginners. Um, 
because you don't need to be necessarily good at having the YouTube game skill. You know, you don't need to necessarily um, know how to title or, or, or thumbnail or, you know, hook a, a viewer or retain the viewer for, throughout the video because that's, that's for browse, right? That's like Mr. Beast is the number one person at that, right? He has just nailed down the retention to the T. With search is like you can find an undervalued keyword that is being, what's undervalued is like, okay, it's being searched, but it's not being, um, there's not that much content about it or the content is outdated or the content can be basically improved, right? In some way or, or mm -hmm. another. And it's just much easier and much more beginner friendly and it's also cheaper. And it depends like how you wanna do this. If, if you wanna, if for example, someone is young and you know they have a bunch of time but they don't have money, they can start themselves. I have so many guys that I know I'm friends with who did this all them themselves. They literally just recorded like 10 videos every day consistently. And, you know, they started ranking. It's going to be like simple tutorials or whatever, like about digital stuff. Um, and that's so, yeah. And But then, like, for example, if someone is maybe a bit older or maybe someone has a bit more money and they want to get into the whole content production uh, space on YouTube, then if you if you want to like do it big, right? And you like you have experience, you kind of know what you're doing and maybe you have like a partner um, who can help you with that or like you can hire a team or you can basically invest money, then I would suggest going for browse because browse is like you can scale a lot harder, right? You can achieve much bigger numbers. Um, so search is kind of like more consistent like this and it's more beginner friendly. You won't have any crazy spikes in, in, in traffic. Browse, it's like, yeah, you can spike a lot, but then like the video is not going to be consistent. Like once it spikes, it reaches a certain audience and then it's going to like flatten out. You know what I mean? But then if you have that and it's always kind of just producing, producing content, yeah, you can grow a lot, a lot harder. So I hope that explains mm -hmm. it's a bit messy, but. <laughs> mm -hmm. No, no, I got you. Okay. Interesting. Um, I'm going to try to maybe tie this in with my next set of questions here. So I think one thing that's still unclear for me is, Let's say somebody wants to get started with this. You know, it, maybe it's a little intimidating thinking, okay, I've got to hire a team, right, to do all this. And again, if you have the the cash flow or the capital to do that, great. It sounds like start there, start building the team, and now you're more of like an investor. You're building this thing that's going to make you passive income over time. But let's say somebody wants to build it up to the point where they have some cash flow coming from their videos and then I guess they can make the next step to invest in the team and, and grow it like that. So how does somebody get started? You know, it seems like there's a bunch of hurdles. First, they got to get monetized. They have to, what do they have to, how are they going to make the videos in the first place if they're not, if they don't have a team to hire? Um, I know there's AI and stuff like tools. So, so I just want to get your, I guess, blueprint for like a beginner you know, to get to the point where they can start to have some revenue mm -hmm. where then, you know, phase two is now I can take my revenue and reinvest it into the team. But like just phase one, even getting to phase two hundred, three hundred, dollars They're doing everything themselves. I suppose, yeah. Okay, well, so basically content production, right? <laughs> you either do it yourself, right? Or you get people to help you do that, okay? Getting people to, to help you make content costs money, period. People are not gonna work for free unless you find 
uh, a visionary who believes in you and you guys have a crazy project and it's like two friends basically doing something together, which is, by the way, could work. Maybe one is a good video editor and the other one is a really good script writer and narration. That can be like a dream team come together. But let's say that someone is starting out from, from complete scratch, right? He's by himself doesn't have money to invest or doesn't want to invest money and just, you know, wants to invest his time in, into, into making content. So the, bl the blueprint for that would be first, you need to decide whether you are, you want to do a, a personal brand channel. So you're showing your face or if you want to do a faceless one. So let's say you want to go with a faceless one because that's what we're talking about here. So, okay. Faceless one. Then the next thing you want to decide is what kind of like a niche you want to get into. And this sounds so cliche at this point, but like it's true. You can't make content about everything. You need to make content about a specific thing because then that's going to help you grow the channel and people are going to start expecting you, like expecting the specific content from your channel. So like it feels like you're putting yourself in a box, but that's actually good. So uh, choose a niche. And when I say when I say choose a niche, like you want to combine like two circles, right? They need to kind of like, like, you know, inter what are they called? Like intersects. One of them is market demand. So what is already working in the market? What is already being searched for? Because, and the second one is what you like, what you have a preference for. Because let's say that you don't focus on the market and you only do what you like. Well, your thing might be so specific that no one is going to even be interested in watching that, okay? Mm -hmm. Now, if you only do market demand and you ignore what you like, it's very easy to burn out and lose interest and just kind of give up on it because you think that, ah, like, I, I don't like it. Like, you know, you still got to have at least a little bit of like an interest in it. So I was talking to a guy mm -hmm. another day and he was like, he was like, hey, I want to do skateboarding. And I was like, hey, that sounds good. There's a lot of, you know, big, uh, like skateboarding is a big market in general, right? And if you're like into skateboarding yourself, maybe, you know, you follow the news, maybe you know big names in the space. Also think about it, there are big companies as well for the skateboarding market, right? So potentially if your channel grows, right, then you can reach out to these companies and you can be like, hey, would you like some extra traffic to your store? Let's set up an affiliate thing. Sure, they'll be down mm -hmm. for that. So those two things intersect the market and then uh, what you like yourself. Okay. Then after that, <clears throat> once you decide, then you need to look at what is already, like you need to look for proof of concept. So proof of concept, basically you go out to the market and you look at existing channels that are already doing what you want to do successfully. Okay. And then you want to look at okay, how are they doing it? Like what, like what kind of videos are they doing? What kind of thumbnails are they doing? And what kind of titles are they doing? And then you wanna go even deeper, okay? You wanna make like, you analyze the titles, you analyze the thumbnails, then you go into inside the video. Okay, how do the first five seconds look of the video? How do the first 15 seconds? How do the first 30 seconds look? And you wanna go, go even deeper and be like, okay, how many cuts are they having? What's the narration? How are they hooking me to watch until the end of this video? all these little things, they all matter. And like these, the people who are doing a channel, a Facebook channel successfully, and it's kind of like a media production company, they have it nailed down. Like they have standard operating procedures for how they write the scripts, how they do the voiceover, how they do the video editing and, and all of that, right? So that's what I would do. And then I would just start trying to put all those pieces together. And you know, a lot of beginners, I mean, I'm guilty of that myself is like, it's easy to get overwhelmed with things, right? It's easy to be like, okay, I want to make 125 videos in the next whatever, but like, just put that aside. 
focus on making one video right at a time and then like once you make the first video publish it see how it performs and then try to improve the second video right that's how you would start and then you would improve the next one and the next it's just one it's just it's just making the next video better than the last one and like we talked the last time also i would suggest also if you're starting out i would suggest making like three four five videos at a batch when you're first starting and putting them on the channel all at once like make like mm. three four videos put them on the channel all at once because then that way you will be able to achieve or like if someone discovers your your video and they right. really like the video and then they click through it on the channel they will be able to binge watch all of your other videos which is right. increases the session time which is a really good signal for the algorithm okay cool so i think that that makes a lot of sense for me now if when i watch some of these videos because actually you gave you gave me this outline last time and we did the exercise like we found some videos and then we we broke it in by okay what's the thumbnail what's this and we were like just kind of practicing to see okay what is this process like and um i guess i just got stuck like looking at these videos i was like if i was going to make this there's they're sourcing content right like a lot of these videos are like let's say we talked about basketball last time like there's there's nba and they source all these clips and they put them together like how do you find that content? What what content can you use? What are the copyright around, I guess, sourcing? How does that work? Yeah. yeah. So basically, um, you are allowed to use clips from other YouTube videos as long as you follow the so-called YouTube uh, fair use policy. So the YouTube fair use policy is you got to make sure that your content is transformative enough. If you just take a clip and you repost it, I mean, that's going to get copyrighted, right? And even if you just like, you got to read into more about what is transformative content and what is fair use, right? They, they go a lot into depth on, on the YouTube page itself. Um, but basically making sure your content is original. So if you're making an original video, let's say about basketball, right? And you are doing top 10, I don't know, LeBron James dunks or something, then you search it up on YouTube, right? You download the videos, the clips, and you rearrange them. So it's not like you just take one, right? You 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 get a nice dunk that you like, you cut it, you put it, and then you have the voiceover, right? And then you have the the special effects and everything. So that's all of a sudden becomes the original, original content. Okay. So it's not like when people just do it kind of, you know, without putting any effort into it, that usually gets striked or whatever copyrighted, right? But if you just make it original enough, then um, right. just, you got to play by the rules. That's what it is. <laughs> I see, I see. Okay, so as long as you have... I would say like you have your own storyline, you have your own video idea, but you can just start, you can source the clips even from YouTube itself, you know, highlights from games or whatever, and then you can plug them right in. Okay. Absolutely. Cool. So that seems like definitely And you doable. can also use, you can also use stock footage websites. There are free ones, there are paid ones, Storyblocks, mm -hmm. Envato Elements, all of those. They have mm -hmm. great, okay. they have great B-roll. Sweet. Okay. Cool. So that sounds like a great idea for somebody that who's just getting started now in terms of the person who maybe has some more money you'd suggest them like what is what for you like what are the students that you see do they even try to make their own videos or do they go in and just straight up hire people from the beginning you know to be honest the the people that i've talked to it seems because they're all like young right 
and and they've all started doing this themselves, right? They and it, and the quality that really like distinguishes the people that get good at it is if you're able to to like sit down, right, and actually and actually do it, right? Not being like you know all over the place and and, th- and looking for shortcuts, but instead just looking for you know how to actually put together a great video. So. Uh, yeah, that, that's the people that I've been talking to. Obviously, I also know some people who who did like a mix, right? So they do some of it themselves, and that's how I started. And then they also outsource some of the parts. So think of it as like three different stages or like three different um, ways to go about this. One way is like a spectrum. One way is you do everything yourself. The middle way is you do a hybrid version, so maybe like 50-50 or whatever, 70-30. And then the, the full to the right version is you... Just say, okay, I'm going to hire people. I'm going to outsource everything. Let's put it all together, right? It's more like kind of building the systems, right? But then it all just comes down to the to how much money you have and how much are you losing to, 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 to lose as well, you know? Because if you're just starting out and you know nothing about YouTube, you know nothing about retentions and click-through rates and all that, and you have money to spend, well, there's a, <laughs> there's a good chance you're going to maybe waste a lot of money, you know, because if you just, if you just, do it stupidly without looking at the data, without analyzing the competition and what they're doing, then, uh, you know, there's a good chance that your videos might not work. But if you want to approach this like seriously and you have money and maybe you have partners and, you know, you're kind of like, then, you know, then you can do it basically. It's, it's mm-hmm. okay, cool. So uh, you mentioned the hybrid model, which, you know, it seems to make a lot of sense to me. For example, like maybe someone does the voiceover themselves, right? Maybe they, um, use some AI tools to write the script or to help them write the script, right? Like even with chat GPT, it seems like writing a script now is, is not that difficult. It's crazy um, what that thing does. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I was playing with it the other day and it was like, I literally wrote in like, write a script, a YouTube script about X topic. And it just like, yeah, it's so crazy. Yeah. I got like an extension from my Google Chrome. And it's it's like it's revolutionary. I mean, is is script writing going out of business or what? Yeah, it's crazy. I don't know. So I think that you know you can probably use some tools there. The main thing is just the video editing. Like that's where I think the primary skill comes into play. So you know, but you can really reduce your costs if you have a script figured out. If you have the voiceover figured out, and but you then, come up with the but idea. But then also, like, think about it this way: how good. At right now, an AI producing a, a script for YouTube, like that is going to retain audiences, audiences' attention. You know what I mean? So I haven't tried it myself, as in like implementing that and seeing what kind of retention I'm gonna get. Maybe it's gonna work really well, but to me, like if you take Mr. Beast, right, and you say, hey, write a AI, write a, a Mr. Beast type script, you know, video, like uh, it, it probably won't do such a great job. So yes, you can use tools to reduce your costs. Uh, the the GPT writing thing is, is a great example of that as well to get started. But then like, also think about it this way. You are not alone in the market. You are competing against other people, right? And you are competing for audience's attention. And just look at your own behavior. What kind of videos would do you prefer watching? Do you prefer watching like great videos, right? If there's two videos about the same thing, right? One is like better than the other. Which one are you going to choose? Obviously the one that is better, right? It's just an obvious choice. And that's how exactly how the algorithm 
goes about this, right? So you can use tools and they can be really helpful in the beginning. Um, but eventually I think you do want to have a great team in place that will enable you to produce high quality content that people are, the end user is actually going to find valuable, enjoy mm -hmm. and, and, um, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Cool. All right. So uh, I kind of staying on the same topic about getting started. I want to talk a little bit more about monetization. Um, you know, is it just kind of brute force your way to get to the thousand, um, subscribers and the 4,000 hours of watch time? Um, what are ways we can make that easier? I suppose, you know, talking about affiliates could come into play here, uh, so that you can monetize, you know, while you're in that phase of just getting started. So I guess, yeah, just thoughts there. How do we break that barrier? Cause I can see that being a big obstacle for people to, to want to get started. Yeah. It took me a long time to get to monetization because I was so new to YouTube. I didn't know anything. And I was making all kinds of like different content. I didn't understand like anything. So I was I was really learning it the hard way, right? Now, if, if I started a brand new channel, I would probably be able to monetize way quicker than the first time, right? Because I just kind of, I just have a, I just know a little bit more about, okay, what needs to, to get done properly. So like you said, affiliates is a good way to start making money without, uh, you know, reaching the YouTube AdSense requirements, partner program requirements. Um, another thing is, yeah, I, I like if you if you want to do this, you know, if you want to play by the rules and, and you're starting a browse, like spend money to to on a video on, on like Google ads to promote your video and get that. That's going to cost a lot. I tried it. It's, it's, it's very expensive. If you have money to spend and you want to just kind of, you know, do it and, and just start getting monetized. Sure. I mean, you can do it, but it's going to be expensive. I'll like very, so probably the best way is to just go at it and that's it. But the good thing is that here's the good thing. And this is what a lot of the people that I talked with, uh, to about is like, yes, you work for a long time without getting paid, but think of it, think of it as in like delaying the gratification, right? Mm. Because then when you do hit the monetization, like the next day it jumps to like, 50, 30, 40, 50 euros, like $100, you know what I mean? It, it just jumps, like, because the views are already there. Like, you have a backlog of videos. Sure, you're missing out on some revenue, of course, like, posting those videos and everything, but that's just that's just the game. That, that's what it takes. And then, one, but once you do reach the monetization, you have a backlog of videos that are bringing in consistent views, and your income just straight away, like, boop, goes to a level and just stays there, basically. Yeah, I got you. Okay. So you're by stays there. You mean like it goes to, it will hit, you know, let's say $50 a day. And then as you add more videos, it will like, yeah, exactly. Yeah, okay, exactly. Cool. Obviously it's going to fluctuate because the RPM fluctuates as well, but okay. it's not like it's going to, you know, go to, to like 50 and then go back to one. It's like, yeah, it's going to yeah, climb. Yeah. And then it's like, this is going to stay at a certain level. And then as you publish more videos, it's going to slowly increase. Yeah. Okay, cool. Um, all right. So I think, I think I heard, I've heard you talk about this principle, of like breaking even, I think it was like, let's say it costs a hundred dollars to make a video. If you can get to the, and you want to make four videos per month, if you can get to the point where your channel is bringing in $400, you're now you're basically able to make videos for free. Right. Yeah. How does that, 
how does that play out? I mean, I, I, I just like the idea. It makes me think of now you're really like an investor and you're focusing on compounding your challenge the same way you focus on investing in the stock market and you like reinvest your returns and you see like exponential growth. I yeah. suppose the same idea can apply. So if you just touch on that, is that like kind of the right analogy? And yeah. yeah. So, I mean, you hit it right on point there. And, and that's what I really like about this business is that, you know, just like you said, like if a video cost, like you have a hard fixed cost, right? Let's say to, to, to run your thing. I don't know. Let's say $500 a month. You're making four videos one time per week. And, and if you like, the point at which your channel in revenue or in a combination with revenue and, and sponsorships and brand deals or whatever starts making more than that fixed cost. I mean, that's it. It becomes like a cash cow, right? Really, really. And then every additional video that you add to your backlog, to your library is just going to, you know, increase that, um, that ceiling, you know, slowly, slowly, slowly. So it really like the reason they call it a cash cow, because once you do reach that, uh, level of break even, then every additional video that you add to your library is just becomes another worker. Like I like that analogy that is kind of working for you 24 seven because it, like, it's just, I, I really think people are underestimating this, like this time we live in and this opportunity called, you know, starting a, a channel on, on YouTube, whatever it is, because no matter what you do, you're getting views consistently, man sleeping, traveling, going on a date, whatever you're doing, your videos are there and people from all over the world are watching it. So I really think people are still underestimating YouTube. And in the next 10 years, I think we're going to see a, a massive, you know, increase in, 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 in viewership and new channels created. So I think this is going to be huge, man. It is already huge, but it's going to be even bigger. Yeah. Love it. That's, I think that's the really the idea that really stuck with me is this like, you know, that you can just reinvest these profits and it just becomes this snowball effect, mm -hmm. right? Which is super yeah. powerful. Yeah, and not obviously, all not all businesses are like that. Yeah, go for it. Yeah, and and obviously, like you know, there's no such a thing as passive income, right? It's it's a lie we've been sold uh, because as with any active business, I'm not talking about index fund investing, but I'm talking about like uh, you know active business that's kind of like, you know, and by active, I mean like, okay, you need to produce videos. If you let go of control and if you don't look into it, at least like, you know, sometimes, right? <laughs> Once a day or whatever, then it will eventually go down. So what you want to do is, is you want to set it up. You want to get it up to a break-even point and then you just want to kind of control it, right? You, you want to look into it, make sure that the team is doing, you know, everything is running well and maybe you want to put a manager into place, you know, person you trust and yeah, but just don't let it dive and like leave it out completely. Yeah, yeah, 100%. And that's true about any business, right? Like yeah. there's going to be entropy and you have to, you have to manage that degradation and it's your job to kind of maybe cast a vision and, and be the, the CEO, if you will, and kind of, um, come up with the ideas, but you don't, doesn't mean you have to be doing all the work all the time, right? hundred percent. Cool. All right. So kind of on that note, jumping to team management, I know we talked about it last time a little bit in terms of all the roles, but, and we talked about hiring and finding the people. Um, but yeah, I'd like to know a little bit more about how do you actually manage the team? Do you use a certain tool like maybe Trello or Monday or whatever it may be? Um, and 
Okay, do you have some examples that maybe you could show just like this is how the script goes in and you move it or however you do it, I don't know. Yeah, so um, two things I use really every day are, are just uh, Trello and Slack. Um, Trello is a project management software. It's free to use. It's just like a board. You can create columns, you can create cards. I use it now, even I started using it <laughs> for my personal to-dos as well. Uh, because I used to before just use my uh, notebook for everything, but I feel like I'm like a dinosaur, so I gotta upgrade a little bit and, and make sure to keep it a little bit more organized and stuff like that. So I've been trying to do more of that. But yeah, Trello is free. Um, it's great to use. You can add people there. You can create different projects. And the way we do it with, and Slack is just for communication, right? It's like a business WhatsApp basically. But for Trello, um, the way the flow works is, so you have the first column is a video idea. Okay, then the next one is uh, the scripting phase, right? So first, you know, I put in the video ideas, right? I research them, I put them in, great. Then my, then I assign a specific one. I move one card to the script writing phase, and then the script writer begins writing it. Okay, so then he, once he completes the script, he uploads onto Google Drive, adds the link into the card, and then he moves that to voiceover right in my case i'm doing a personal brand channel in my case like I, i'm recording the script and then sending it over but if you're doing like a faceless one then it goes over to the voiceover right because you need the voiceover the audio track the artist the voiceover artist completes the 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 narration uploads onto drive adds the link that gets passed on to the video editor now meanwhile at a certain stage, like for example, maybe at the scripting stage or the voice narration, whatever, you also wanna have your thumbnail guy create the thumbnail for that video because as soon as the video editor is done with making the video, if the thumbnail is already there, then the video is ready, right? You just need title, mm -hmm. script, I mean title, video, and thumbnail. So yeah, that gets, that gets published. Then the next column maybe you wanna have is like quality control. Right, so maybe you want to make sure that before the video goes up, it is like good quality. So maybe you want to put a person in place, or maybe you want to check it yourself first, make sure. But you know, obviously at, at the beginning, it's very hands-on. Like you can have people and everything, but it will still be very hands-on. You go through the script, okay, I, I don't really like this, whatever. Voice narration, okay, that was good. Video editor, make the the beginning faster, you know, snap here. Um, but then obviously once you want to automate everything, you want to put a person in place, quality control, and then the last step is obviously uploading that onto YouTube, optimizing for SEO, uh, or just, you know, making sure that everything looks nice. You have or the, like, your affiliates, your sponsorships, whatever. And then, yeah, that's, that's pretty much the workflow. Okay, cool. Yeah, it seems simple enough. Um, I guess once you have everybody in the Trello and in Slack, it's really not that difficult. So you're saying... Some things have to happen in series, if you will, like script, um, you know, video editor or voiceover video editor, but the thumbnail can happen in parallel. Does that happen right when the script is done or? Yeah, like what you can, ha you can have, the, you right can have the, the thumbnail ready when, as soon as the script is done. Okay. You know, be cool. because he, this, this, the thumbnail guy doesn't need to wait for the video to be completed. Right. He can read mm -hmm. through the script and he can see, OK, what are the main points? What do I want to emphasize? And then get an idea from that as to what kind of a thumbnail I want to create. Mm -hmm. OK, so if you're running multiple channels, 
you would just have like multiple boards, I guess, in Trello. Mm. And it's basically the same process. Yeah, yeah, just create, yeah. just create a board for each channel. And uh, you can even plug the same people there. Just make sure that you kind of differentiate that. Okay, this is this channel, this is that channel. So this right, is right. just okay. organized so it doesn't get messy. Yeah, so it's pretty, pretty seems like pretty streamlined once you have it dialed. Yeah. Cool. All right, so you mentioned SEO, YouTube SEO, um, metadata, I guess, would kind of be included in that. So I kind of want to go there next is when we're uploading a video or maybe even before the video, maybe this goes into like keyword research and things like that. So I don't know actually actually what the best question to ask here, but I guess I want to know like, how do you optimize the keywords, the, the title? Um, yeah, I guess, how, how do you get it to more likely rank in search, that type of thing? Right, well, that really depends. I mean, what you're going for. So again, if you're going for a search channel, then you wanna have that specific keyword that you're going for. Let's say you're going for how to tie a tie. Well, that's exactly how you wanna title your video, right? And then maybe you wanna say, you know, version 2023, or, you know, you haven't seen this or whatever, you know, the, the new method. So again, it's enticing, but um, yeah, that's for search. For browse, it's like if if you're going for like, let's say that you're going for basketball, once again, LeBron, and then like dunks, right? You wanna make sure that it's titled in a way that it has LeBron, it has the 10 dunks and everything like, and then you wanna put it in, in like the top 10 best dunks of, of LeBron James or whatever. But like, once again, it's, it's important to look at what other channels are already doing and get inspiration from that because mm -hmm. you, you might think that a certain way to, to title a video is good, but only because you think that it's not necessarily what the market finds interesting. And if you're starting out and you have no data, no experience, then the best way to go about it is to see already what's working and then, you know, try to understand why it's working like that, which is really hard because, you know, like you learn just from experience, right? Okay. What about tools? Like, can you use, I think it's called vidIQ or something to get a measure of, I guess, how good that keyword is or something like that? Like, would you do that before or after you make the video? You can use these tools, the, the, it, like people have mixed feelings about this in the community, about like vidIQ and TubeBuddy and, and all that. Um, but basically the way these tools work, if, if I'm correct, is that they are connected with API to Google ads or, you know, the Google data basically. And they pull the, they pull the, the search volume and the competition from there and everything like, so that's that should be accurate, okay? But then everything else that they have, like for example, you know, the vidIQ, the, the little thermometer thing that shows you like bad keyword red, good keyword green. Like people have mixed feelings about those because that is something that they add on top of it. Um, so they kind of, you know, look at the competition versus the, the search volume and everything. Um, but yeah, but I, I like, I don't know. If, if, if you're starting out, People say for search, yeah, it's not necessary. That's the thing. It's not necessary. Like it, it can be helpful. Like the thing I use vidIQ for, the 
the only thing I use vidIQ for is the views per hour thing. They have the extension on Chrome and you can see like which video is getting how many views per hour. Like, I don't know, they, mm -hmm. I, don't, I don't think they have realized it, but that's their like most useful feature for vidIQ. Like it's, it's crazy. Like if I'd be them, I'd just mm -hmm. double down on that and just sell that thing probably. I don't know. Mm -hmm. It's just really good. Like I would actually pay for that because that is a really good thing. You can see right. which video, because it's like you're looking, if you're just looking at, at a, like a channel, right? And you see just the views, but that thing shows you which video are ranking or which videos are getting mm -hmm. views like now. It can be published three months ago, mm -hmm. but it can still be getting right. views. And the video that yeah. was published a week ago might be flatlined and not getting any views. So that gives you a much better idea like, oh, okay, this one is actually like growing and getting views. Right. Like trends and recency like that. Yeah. Yeah, kind exactly. Of the, the, okay, cool. That's interesting. Okay, great. Um, Okay, I want to kind of continue on this idea of like optimizing videos. I want to talk about split testing. This is something I don't really understand, but I, I'm pretty sure I've seen like Alex Tremosi post a video and then like two hours later, it's like a different thumbnail. Is that a thing? Like, can you yeah, change thumbnails? Like, okay, how does that work? And is that like standard practice? Do you, do you try to test multiple? Yeah, so if we can just talk about split testing. Yeah, Mr. Mr. Beast does it as well. Uh, I, I literally saw that because... He posted a video. I was like, and then I look at the, th like before I click on the video, I look at it, you know, and I'm like, why? Why is it that? Why is this a good one? And then I click, I watch, and then I go back to his channel and it's a different thumbnail. I was like, oh no, that's so cool. You right. know what yeah. I mean? And yeah. so, yeah, AB, AB testing is a thing, of course. And you want to, um, and the way to, why people do that is because once they post the video in the first, you know, 15, 30, one hour, you get initial data. Cause you, cause when you first post a video, YouTube is pushing you out, right? Or it's like showing your thumbnail to people, seeing how they react. If they click and they watch, they're going to push it to more people, right? If they don't click and they don't watch, they're not going to push it. It just goes to the back end. Like they compress it, that's it, done. But, um, because they, they, they want to favor, not favor, but they want to give priority to like fresh content, new content. But A-B testing is a thing, man. And I think um, it, it is, it's important because if you make a thumbnail and you think is good and then you publish it and the market doesn't think is good, you need to have a backup. And a lot of big creators and channels, they actually do that. They have like two, three different thumbnails ready before they post and they look at how the video is performing, how the CTR is, and if it's not performing as good as they expected or not as good as their previous videos, they change the thumbnail and they see how that performs. Mm -hmm. Yeah, okay. definitely. So, okay, let's break that down a little bit. Let's say you post a video. Do you have like a benchmark CTR or would it just be based on your past performance? I know a 2% or something. I'm just throwing that out there. 2% is, is like what I'm aiming for. Or maybe that's like what my best was in the past. And, and the one I just posted has a 0.5%. So I'm immediately going to change that to my other, my other option. Yeah. Yeah. If you, if you're getting a 2% CTR right away, then you probably, you should, you should probably choose so that. Okay. Else. So actually let me ask you, what is like, this is probably a good place to take this. What are some KPIs? What are the benchmarks that I would say like, okay, I did something good or I did something bad. Like, yeah, it Just, depends. Uh, it depends on your niche and, you know, it also depends on how many impressions you're getting. Um, initially, when you first publish uh, the video, you're going to have a higher CTR because it gets shown to the people who are already familiar with your channel. You know, uh, 
So it's going to be higher okay. at first, but then as your video gets more traction and it gets pushed to a broader audience, broader audiences tend to not click that often mm -hmm. on an unfamiliar video or on a familiar channel. So the CTR is going to drop. For example, Mr. Beast, he posted on Twitter, his video, the $100 million special video, or 100 million subscriber special, he had 500 million impressions, like half a billion impressions. That's like every, they serve that video to every fourth person on, on YouTube, basically, because they have 2 that's billion. Insane. That's, that's crazy. crazy. And he had a 7% CTR on half a billion impressions. Can you imagine that? That's, that's insane. insane. And How much so, money is that right there? Actually, that's oh my that's god! I don't, I don't even know. Like, I just, I just want to look into the analytics and see. <laughs> that's crazy. Yeah, man. Yeah. Mr. Beast is, is has nailed it down. But for example, I think it's also kind of niche specific. But in my case, like, if I get a, I think like an eight nine percent CTR initially, then that's like as usual. Like that's um, as good as my other videos in this time frame. Okay. But then, for example, if I get like a 12% CTR, then it's like, oh, okay, like this CTR is actually popping. Okay, okay, I got you. And then okay. as the video gets more impressions, that CTR is going to drop. So that's yeah. what it is. So first thing you would do, let's say you post a new video and you get a 4% CTR. You're like, all right, that's not good. According to your benchmarks, do you first thing change the uh, thumbnail or the headline or both? Oh, I would probably change the t uh, the thumbnail first, not the okay. title, not the title. Um, okay. But yeah, because because I think there was a study done. One of the members in our community said that like people first look at the image and then they want to validate what they saw with the title, right? So it, it kind of works because we are visual creatures. You know, we 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 process images much faster than we process text. That's why. You know, a lot of the road signs and everything, they're all images. And there's a reason for that because, you know, we just process images much faster. So I think I would give priority number one to thumbnails. If it's not popping, I would change that. Um, and then usually when you change a thumbnail, you will see if it's like if it's better, you will see the views and impressions kind of like pick a different angle. You know, if they're mm, going like this, you would see them going like at a okay. higher angle, basically. Yeah. Okay. And, and can you, yeah, actually, so this is kind of important. Like the second you change the thumbnail, is there a um, quantitative way of determining the new CTR? Like, would it say like, here's your new CTR with this thumbnail? Or like, can you say my impressions at this? Like, is there a way to calculate it? Or you can only literally look at the graph? Yeah, there, YouTube is not so fast with like, updating the, the 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 ctr and showing you what it is so it, you don't you shouldn't be like updating it every you know five minutes because then you're not just going to have enough data right you, you need to see okay first 30 minutes how is that performing okay in this thir first 30 minutes we got this many impressions and this much ctr let's change it up now let's give it another 30 minutes let's see how the ctr changes and how many impressions we get there and then you compare and then you then you see kind of like what it is but okay. not like uh, be slow to change. Yeah. Okay. Um, so just to get this clear, because I, I used to be an engineer, so I love like numbers and stuff. Of so I, I apologize this is like annoying for you, but okay. So let's say I launched the video and I get whatever, a thousand views. 
and my CTR is 4%. Then I, and then now I'm going to change for the next 30 minutes. Um, and, and when I make that change, would I then see, okay, at the hour mark, I have 2000, uh, views and my CTR is now 6%. So then I can calculate the percent CTR on that thousand by like doing the, doing all the math. Um, yeah. Yeah. So ba basically the way you would want to do is like, I think YouTube updates the, um, the CTR metrics every hour. I think that's what it is. So what you want to do is you want to give it an hour, see what CTR you're getting in that first hour, change it up and then see what, how does the CTR got affected in the second okay. hour. Yeah, I got you. So you're just seeing like the overall increase has changed. Yeah. yeah. And then, you, okay. and then you also want to keep in mind that your video gets pushed initially first and then from that initial data, then it gets into, you know, how much we want to push it further. But a thumbnail can like, can revive a video as well. So I remember mm -hmm. I was watching a video about Mr. Beast's videos and how they would um, now, because he they basically went back to his old videos and they changed up the the thumbnails on his old videos. Interesting. And, and what can happen is that your video can be flatlined and dead, but then you change the thumbnail it will get like a few impressions and like the CTR would be high because all the other metrics are aligned. And then the algorithm can be triggered like, oh, there's a new thumbnail. Like people actually want to click and watch this. Yeah. And then the video can go like, like this. Wow, that's interesting. Okay, so I really like this whole testing thing. So I'll ask you some more questions about it. Let's say you, you get your benchmark, 9%. Do you still try a different one to hope, hey, maybe I'll get 12% or are you just like, I hit it, I'm good, I'll keep it here? No, I, I probably will just keep it the way it is. Okay. Um, just I will just try to improve it for the next video. Just always okay. try to improve it for the next video, yeah. Um, but what I should be doing is I should be having two, three thumb thumbnails and, and you know, first seeing with the with with like consulting my team maybe okay which one guys you like the most maybe asking the community friends whatever mm. and and when you like for example if you have if you make two three thumbnails right and you want to ask your uh it's like a like a little hack thing if you want to ask your friends or family or people that are actually physically close to you like which one do you like more and you show them two don't take what they say <laughs> as the truth mm. look at their eyes and and where the eye is most focused on, that's the one they're most attracted to. And that's interesting. So like when you show them which one they, they, they look at first and then which one they also, because they will then look at the other one. And then which one are they looking at the longest? Because usually they will look here, they will look here, 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 and then maybe like back to the left. And then you know, oh, okay, mm -hmm. they're more attracted subconsciously to that one. That's pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, I like that little hack, yeah. Yeah. It's honestly a really good idea because you can get so much feedback just from, you know, people around you before you post up. I think it's a good, it's a good rule of thumb for anything. Like even like we were talking about earlier, you know, whether it's writing copy coming with ideas, just like bouncing around is, is always a good idea. Yeah. All big, cool. all, okay. big all, all big things happen in collaboration. That's why like yeah. humans are a collaborative species. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Cause we all have different like experiences and like I'll see something and then someone might someone else might look at it and be like, no, that kind of looks like this other thing where you didn't even think about, exactly. oh, I got to change this a little bit because I didn't want that message to come off. So yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's cool. very powerful, All right. by the way.
<laughs> yeah. Um, just going through some notes. I, I mean, we hit a lot of it. Let's see. I think it'd be good to talk a little bit more about affiliates. Like, let's do it. You're getting started. Okay. We're going to choose, you know, we talked about choosing the channel based on uh, the event diagram of what do I like? What is the market interest? Where does the conversation come into play? Like, well, can I promote something here in this niche? Uh, let's say I can, like with a skateboarding example, do I, how do I find those affiliates? Um, is that something I seek them out in the beginning or just like, where does that come into play? Um, I know we talked about monetization and that being a difficult thing. So I imagine it would be great to go into a niche where, you know, you could have affiliates right out the gate. Yeah. So the way I see it is that, well, there are many different ways to, to go about this, but the way I see it is kind of like, you can either use any um, affiliate bank, whether it's ClickBank, Digistore24, right? You sign up, you fill out your info, and there are existing offers in all types of different niches available for you to just literally copy the link and start driving traffic. If you make a sale for them, they're gonna pay you out. As simple as that. The so that's that's the that's the beginner friendly way to go about this, okay? The the more advanced level is I would say when a company starts reaching out to you or when you go out and you reach out to a company in that niche, right? So what is it called? The DC, that company for skateboarding? I don't know. But like, let's say that you go to a big skateboarding company and you say, guys, I run a channel or better even, I run a network of skateboarding channels, you know, mm -hmm. we have this many subscribers, we're getting, the subscribers don't even matter that much. We're getting this many views on average per video. That's how many videos we post per month. You know, we would love to have you on board as a sponsor. Uh, let's just start driving traffic to your website or whatever. And, uh, yeah, you can agree something like that. You can agree on, on a fixed price that they're going to be sponsoring your videos each month. And that can be a, like a really nice, healthy check there. Uh, but, you know, also keep in mind that like when it comes to negotiations, if you're the one reaching out, then you have the lower hand. If they reach out to you, they have the upper hand. So it's kind of like the psychological game here. So like if they're reaching out to you, you could probably demand a little higher pay. If you're reaching out to them, then you're the one in position of need or, or, or so to say. So, um, but yeah, those are the two kind of ways to go about this, the beginner one and the advanced one. Okay, cool. So getting started could be ClickBank or things like that. Um, I know there's also like physical affiliate products. I don't know, let's say in a dog training niche or something like that, you know, there could be Chewy like subscription box or um, I don't know, there's health products for dogs. There's toys for dogs. Like there's a lot of, I guess, um, physical products that can, that could be sold. Any, any thoughts there? Is there networks where you can go to find physical products or would that just be reaching out to them as well? Don't they have the, the thing on, on ClickBank? I'm not going to talk now out of my ass, but I think ClickBank probably has physical as well. It's not just oh, okay. all digital. Okay. They probably like, I'm, I'm, pr I'm not hundred percent certain, but I'm pretty confident that they have physical ones as well. Okay. Like supplements or something. Yeah. yeah supplements and all that. Okay. Stuff. Cool. Also, so, uh, another one is called share a sale on share a sale. They have crazy affiliates. They have like bodybuilding.com, um, Reebok, Adidas. Uh, yeah, they have like huge brands that you can, you can just start like getting a link and start driving traffic to them. And, uh, you can get affiliated with like, yeah, all these crazy companies. 
Sweet. All right. So I think we've gone through a lot of it. Some other questions I had was, I think you mentioned this last time, like reading the data. Um, I forget exactly what you're referring to. I don't know if that was like reading the data coming back on your account or that's just studying, you know, the competitors. If it's the competitors, we've covered that. Um, we talked about reading some of the data, let's say when it comes to the CTR on our own videos, but are there any is there any other data that we'd be looking at our, on our own videos, um, like demographic or something, or I don't know, like maybe getting more insights about the audience that's really working so you know, okay, now I should focus on making more videos for that or, yeah. Yeah, yeah, so uh, the most important metrics are CTR, AVD, average view duration, and then relative retention, so, once you get the retention graph, you scroll down, you click see more, and then you choose relative retention because then that's gonna give you a graph of at which time frame it's lower than average, at which times it's is above average, okay? Interesting. And so then you take the moments where it's above average and almost think about it, it going like a, doing like a, like a surgery for your video. So mm -hmm. what I recommend you do is you, you then look at that you take the times and then where it's below average, literally just go out and cut it out and only keep the parts where it's above average and then make that video, then add to that video and make it longer. Post it again or like make, an, make a variation of that. Then look at the relative again. Okay, did the parts that we add, like how do they interact with the other parts? Are they below again? What do we need to change? Or maybe they are. And so like you basically go in and like you cut it out and you insert a new piece and you see, okay, how is that performing in terms of retention? Right. Yeah. Okay. So that's really interesting. Um, and then also, by the way, sorry for interrupting you, the audience you said, so that's also interesting because as you start to get data, you will see like, okay, what are the, what are the um, genders that are watching my content? What are the age range? And then you know, their locations and based on that and also like what other videos, that's actually a really powerful one. What other videos are my people who are watching my videos? So the people who are watching my content, what other similar videos are they watching? And then you go into that and you look, okay, what kind of videos, who is the, who's the, like, who has the most views, you know, the views tell a lot. If someone is getting more views than you, there's a reason why. <laughs> So yeah, definitely. Maybe they have a better hook, a better story, whatever. Interesting. Yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense. So you talked about the relative retention, cutting out the pieces that don't work. Would you literally re-upload like even the same video and take the other one down? Or would this just be kind of more like principles that you'd apply to the next video? Like I know not to kind of make these same mistakes. First, don't delete any videos. Keep it all there. Um, why, why would you delete it? Another thing that people worry about sometimes like, oh, but my audience is going to see that same video and they won't be happy. Man, that's your ego talking. <laughs> like 99% of the people that are gonna watch your video are gonna be not subscribed to you. So they, they probably wouldn't see the first video anyway. So change it up a little bit. You know, look at the retention. If it's a good video, look at the relative retention and then see how you can make that video better. Because if that video reached, for example, I don't know, 10,000 people, right? And then it flatlined. Well, 
that means that it's a good indication that that's a good video and it could potentially reach 100,000 people. So you're actually doing a disservice to people by not improving that video and not uploading a newer updated version. It's like people do updates in life on everything. That's how we improve. Just make an improvement, improve the title, improve the thumbnail, improve the retention, upload it. Hmm, that's pretty cool. I didn't know you could do that, but it makes a lot of sense. It's, it's almost just like constantly improving a video. I mean, I guess you would probably just do that once then, but every time you, you make a new video, you're going to learn by studying the retention, you're going to learn like, okay, what was the problem with it? I think that's kind of how you're going to see the patterns and you'll get better at kind of that feedback loop. You get better and better at making videos just by looking at those. Yeah. It's like Gary Vaynerchuk says like, I've been saying the same thing for 25 years, <laughs> you know, and it's true, you know, like he's been preaching the same message for 25 years and you know, a lot of people say, oh, but I already said that. But like, it's fine. There's new people coming into the market all the time. Don't be afraid mm -hmm. to say, if you really stand by your message, don't be afraid to repeat yourself because you're reaching more people. And like, uh, they say like, what the re repetition is the, I can't remember the saying what it is. Maybe you can help the me. The mother out. of skill. Yeah. Yeah. The mother of skill. So like the more, the more, the, the more you do it, the better you get at it. So. Okay, cool. So you mentioned average view duration, AVD. I, I'm assuming that's going to be a different benchmark for every channel. Um, but can you just, I guess, speak that a little bit? Do you have like, okay, I know normally my videos are 10 minutes. I want to at least hit, you know, what, three minutes? Like what would your percent view duration be as your average target or something? So cool. this is actually from, 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 from YouTube themselves. So what's a good video retention rate? Okay. Depends on the video length. Okay, because it's like all the retention curves look like this. So if you're doing a 10 minute video, let's say, right, the median one is 44%, but the top 10% of the videos on YouTube have a 61%. Okay. So say for example, you get a 70% retention on a 10 minute video, right? That will mean that your video is probably going to be in the top 1% of the, all the YouTube videos mm -hmm. in terms of like, okay. you know, views and everything. And you can see here mm -hmm. three minutes, 82%, six seventy one. So like, for example, 30 minute video, 49%. Like it's, it's hard to get someone to watch mm -hmm. half of your 30 minute video. Yeah. On average for every viewer, that's insane. Yeah. 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 Because all of the curves look like this, right? Uh huh. All of them look. Like so this. sorry. What is the 30 minute median? Is it just blurred out there? Oh, I can't. No. I really can't see. Yeah, I really can't see. Oh, but we can assume what? 30, at least 30, right? Yeah, th above 30% the median one. Okay. There's a three. It's and It's still then a lot. Right? Yeah, it's still a lot, yeah. man. Cool. So um, looking at that, I think one of the questions I had was like, well, how long should my video be? You know, so obviously that's going you know, to be different for every person. But, you know, assuming someone's starting a brand new channel, they're trying to use the faces you know, method, is there some kind of like, you know, shoot for 10 minutes on average and yeah. So <laughs> this is going to sound really kind of boring and cliche, but, and I got it from, uh, his name is Todd. He is the, the person who, who run, like is responsible for the algorithm, like the main guy for the algorithm on YouTube. And he got asked the same question at VidCon and he's like, you got to make your video as long as it needs to be. <laughs> so like how long does it, does, does, how long do you need to put your message across? Right. For example, like 
I'm probably gonna make a video out of this, right? So I'm gonna cut out, you know, the, the, the fluff parts, right? But I'm like, it's gonna be a long video because that's how long it will take to get this video across, all the points that we're covering here, which is super in depth, right? There is one thing about the eight minute thing. So you need to, if you wanna have mid rolls in the video, the video needs to be at least eight minutes long. So a lot of the creators, you know, they aim to make the videos at least eight minutes so they can add the mid rolls, which increases your CPM RPM on the video. So potentially you can make more money, but you know, if, if your video gotta be five minutes, make it five minutes. If your video gotta be 15 minutes, make it 15 minutes. Okay. So mid roll, that's an ad that plays in the middle of the video. I'm assuming. Yes. Okay. So, and the cutoff for that is it has to be at least eight minutes. Yes. Okay. If so video that is makes less sense. Than eight minutes, then it's not, you won't have, you won't be able to place mid rolls. Got it. Okay. So it seems like, do you have any idea of how much that might help boost your revenue or it's not really known or like, Oh, it helps for sure. It helps because really? yeah, because if, if your video is less than eight minutes, you can have an ad only the five seconds before. Right. And then maybe YouTube is going to play one at the end of the video. Yeah. Okay. But okay. Like Graham Stephan, the, you know, the person who really optimized his earnings from YouTube, he always tries to make longer videos because they have higher CPM basically. Mm, okay. Yeah. I guess the downside to making a longer video is it might cost you more money time and editing or whatever. It might be more expensive. Yeah. It costs, it costs more. And then also it's harder to get, it, it's harder to keep a viewer watching for longer. Right. Right. Okay. Cool. Sweet. Man. Well, I'm, I'm glad we went into that. That was really useful. Um, the whole retention and stuff. Is there a way that you could show like a, a relative retention curve without maybe showing any sensitive information? Like, um, with, on my channel? Uh, I suppose, or just something that, you know, would just show a visual. Cause I think that's really interesting. Obviously I don't want to sure. show anything. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna do a little, <laughs> a little flex here, but I'm going to show like a really good retention. Um, okay. a really, a really good retention. So this video is titled, this killed my YouTube automation channel, right? It has a 1.3 K views, uh, made 16 euros, got 18 subscribers. Um, yeah, it gets like a little bit of views. But what is important is this, this graph right here. So this is the, this is the retention graph, right? Okay. And you can see that this is a six minute video, right? The average view duration is 333. So if I would have made this video, let's say eight minutes, right? And I had the same retention, like you see how flat line it is. So th this gray, yeah. right, this gray right here, it how it usually my videos perform. Interesting. So by okay. the time by the time I get to the end, I'm like at 33%, right? But mm -hmm. this one, it was just flatlined the whole, and it was just like everything is above average. You see, above typical retention, above typical, and here's just like all flatline, all flatline. So I was so proud of this video. Now, what I was talking to you about here is once you're here, you click on see more, and then here you click here. And then you click relative audience retention. Uh -huh. Okay. And this is now going to show you. So you have the average, right? This is your average. And you can see that my whole video 
is all above average. And this one is like high. You can see that at 108 is actually okay. high, above average. So this whole video is, is like really good. Now, let me show you another Real, example. Uh, quick question. Is this relative to, this is relative to your video, so not like across the board on YouTube or, or like um, yeah, in this, this, this Yeah, okay. yeah, this is relative to mine. It's all, okay. it's all individual, okay? Gotcha, gotcha. So like Mr. Beast is going to be different. <laughs> gotcha. Um what else can I show you here? Uh, let me see. For example, one video that that really popped for me, you can see like it got 7.8 thousand views and like it's way more than all of my other videos, right? So let's see. Let's let's try to analyze. Okay, why has this why is this video performing so well? You can see that the thumbnail is really good, and that's what people told me. And like we can look at it here at like 82,000 impressions. This video has a 6% CTR, hmm. which is good. Mm -hmm. Okay. Now let's look at the retention. You can see the video was getting like views consistently. It has been just over 35 days and it has, it's at 7.8. And I've never had anything like this happen to me before. <laughs> I, I kid you not. And it's all external. So I guess that's like Google search. Okay. Hmm. Now, okay. You can see that the average percentage viewed is only 29% here, but mm. the video is 21 and a half minutes long. So mm. the average view duration is 6.2. Now let's go in and let's look at the relative one. And the title is how he makes 42,000 a month with YouTube automation. That's my friend, John. So you see, average, above average, above average. Then here, this is what I was talking about. At minute 608, mm. people start dropping below average. So what I can do is from minute 608 from here, I can cut out this whole mm -hmm. part until like 1320 mm. and then just stitch from 608 to 1320. Right. And this video could okay. perform even better, probably. Right, right. Okay. You know what I mean? So that's, yeah. that's what I was talking about. Actually, I didn't look at this. And now like I'm telling you this, I'm like, man, I should probably do this <laughs> and like do it again. Cause like, it's like this video has been performing really well, but I want to warn you about something. Cause so this is like, this has been happening to my friends and, and everything. Look at this. So you can see that revenue was climbing. Okay. 10, blah, 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 20, 30, blah, blah, blah. And then on the 30th of November, it climbed to 84 and it's just been flat. It made four euros mm. in the same time period that it got 80. Okay. Now this is, this is where we get to this part. Look at this. It's going to make all sense to you. Boom. Just the RPM was like 30, which is really high. 26 euro, you know, That's 14, crazy. whatever. And then from here, it drops on the 1st of December to one from 25 to one. And then it's just been steady one, even low, like lower than that. Now, keep in mind, my channel doesn't have any strikes. My channel doesn't have any, um, you know, issues. Like never, like did I have anything? My channel is super clean. It's super good. So this happened. This, this is not the first time it's happened. So let me actually show you another one of my videos where it happened. And then it actually normalized. So if I just sort this by views... It's one of my best performing videos, this one. 
actually my best performing long form video. This video has made me a thousand euros, which is incredible. <laughs> and I made this video like 996 days ago, right? So I just, this, to me, this is the power of YouTube, right? This is incredible. You can see that retention and is not- it's been steady too, like just- It's been so steady and like, look at the money. Cool. Like the money yeah. like doesn't stop. It just go, keeps going, right? But cool. I wanted to show you this. So you can see here, okay, I think it was, yeah, December. Same exact time, 1st of December. Mm. Coincidence? I don't what? think so. That's so weird. Okay, so look at this. Um, this is my highest earning video. You can see that RPMs here were like 155 RPM, you know, whatever. Like the average one is 28 in this time frame. But then, okay, 1st of December, 0.03 RPM. And then it just keeps going so at zero until like, there was one jump here to 50 and then another one until the 20th of December. So for like three weeks, it was at zero, literally. And then <laughs> like nothing ever happened back to normal. Hey, eh? we're back together. So this That's is so weird. This is crazy. So I really hope the John Chorus video um, recovers, but yeah, that's that that's what can happen. And like, I'm warning you that that is a thing. And it has been happening to my friends now as well, where they had like one of my friend had like an average RPM of like almost 100 euros, let's say an average one. He does like crazy high CPM videos. And you can see that it goes just from like from 100 to like two or like one in like a matter of just like one or two days. And no one knows why it's happening. They have been reaching out to YouTube and YouTube has just been like unhelpful. Hmm. So I don't know. That's super weird. So, but what I was really surprised at was the RPMs. Like, is that, cause you know, they say like the normal RPM is like $4 <laughs> or something. So yeah. what, is that true? Or like how, you know, when someone's looking to get into a niche, I know we kind of talked about this, like, don't worry too much about the RPMs, do what you love. like. But at 30 RPMs, I thought that was like the highest that it could ever be. But yeah, this, the, the, listen, make money online <laughs> type of content that I'm doing is really high RPM CPM because e-learning businesses have crazy fat profit margins. So they're willing to spend a lot to acquire a customer. Um, so that's not like, it's not surprising that that's why that's so. But investing and like make money online have the highest CPMs on YouTube. Now there's a problem with there's a problem with chasing CPM, okay? And the problem is that when you start to chase the money, it runs away from you. So in that and I talk that from my experience. Like yeah, we all want to make money, we all want to build a profitable business, but you're much better off doing content that you actually enjoy like i actually enjoy making these videos you know what i mean i didn't start making drop shipping videos because you know it was high rp i didn't even know what was, like what was rpm back in the day i was just started doing them because i was into drop shipping myself and i was like you know i want to do something else so let's do youtube and i started doing that and i you know by accident stumbled i realized that make money online has like the highest rpm but when you follow what you like, when you follow your passion, and once again, that sounds cliche, but the money is gonna, like, the money is gonna follow you, you know, because at the end of the day, sorry, at the end of the day, producing content that, that people want to watch, you will be rewarded for that. 
you know if you make content just any kind of content but like it's in a high rpm niche you won't be able to produce great content mm. so that's the thing and i made that mistake before as well by the way i started a second channel i got into like a faceless i made a faceless channel i got into the make money online niche and then uh you know that failed dramatically <laughs> you know spectacularly so then i switched to, to another thing but yeah if i'd be starting now again i'd probably do something that i actually like you know i'm into like psychology i'm into evolutionary psychology or like philosophy right like it probably doesn't have high rpms there but to me it doesn't matter because i know that i will enjoy making that content and things are gonna fall into place as long as i'm making the best videos possible